The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Nine minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning into the Forum at Eight uh, on this Monday. Now, 40 years after the June 16, 1976 uprising, the process of rebuilding South Africa began in earnest. And last week, South Africans commemorated the 40th anniversary of the Soweto uprisings. And we spoke about it. We heard stories from those who were there. And just, you know, talking generally about the events of that day, the 16th of June, 1976 that actually changed the course of this country's history. But, uh, of course, this year's commemorations happened at the, on the backdrop of a campaign trail because we are going to elections on the 3rd of August. And last week, while addressing party followers in Soweto to mark the 40th anniversary of the Soweto uprisings, DA leader Musi Maimane is alleged to have said that Bantu education was better than what we have in South Africa today. And Maimane said that the country was commemorating while young people were still subjected to poor quality education. Now, we did invite the Democratic Alliance to come on uh, to refute, if need be, those allegations. Unfortunately, we've not um, had a positive response from them up until this point, but we'll keep trying them should they wish to enter the fray. But uh, we have other guests with us to try and debunk uh, the question that we have this morning. Is our education system worse off than it was under apartheid? That's the question we're grappling with this morning. And we'd love to hear your views as well. 891 Lines are open. You can SMS us on 34701. Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. Please use the hashtag AM Live. Let me introduce our guest this morning, Elijah Mtlanga, uh, Department of Basic Education spokesperson. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Mtlanga. Good morning and thank you very much for inviting us. Most welcome. We also have with us Dr. Nick Taylor, a research fellow from Jet Education Services. Thanks for your time, Dr. Taylor. Good morning, Sakina. And also joining us, Executive Director at Ikamva Youth, uh, Joy Willefir. Thanks so much for your time as well, Joy. Hi, Sakina. Thanks for having me. Now, this, of course, is a question that seems to come up time and time again. There's always this comparison being drawn between what our education system was like under apartheid and what it is like today. But let me start by asking, Dr. Taylor, is that a fair comparison? And if so, what is it that we are comparing? I think it's a misleading debate, uh, Sakina. Um, there's no doubt that access uh, to uh, a much wider range of learners at all levels of education has improved in the last 22 years, particularly uh, in the universities and the so-called TVET technical vocational colleges, where um, the numbers have doubled in the last 20 years at, at least. Um, schooling has also improved somewhat. Um, we've op- opened access also to early childhood uh, education, and in particular grade R, the so-called reception year before grade one. But I think a much more critical question is, why can't we improve the quality uh, equally dramatically? Um, and that's the crux of the matter for me. So are you therefore saying that it, 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 it would be a futile exercise to actually try and compare the two systems? I think so. I think it's just misleading. You know, we should focus on the real issue. Why can't we improve quality, um, which is a, a big problem at all levels of, of uh, our education and training system? Mr. Elijah Mthanga, for those who say that our education system now 
lags far behind our counterparts um, in the rest of the world. How would you respond to that? Um, how do we even know about, um, how much do we know about these ranking systems that are used? And also, should we be comparing ourselves with the rest of Africa and the world? Uh, Fatima, yes, we need to compare ourselves with the rest of Africa and indeed the world because we need to know where we are as a country in terms of international performance because we are not an isolated country. We live in a situation where we relate and do business with other countries. We receive people, but we also go overseas. So an education system is one of the measuring instruments that you see a country's development. And for us to be able to benchmark ourselves, we need to uh, participate in these studies that compare our education system. And how do we compare then at this point? Well, as Dr. Taylor has said, uh, in terms of quality, we still need a lot of work uh, that we need to do. Uh, there's, there's quite a bit that we need to do to improve quality, and, and that's what we are spending our energy focusing on right now because uh, the access, we have done that, um, uh, we are also working on other issues such as infrastructure, but the key thing is the quality. And, and most of the research work that has been taking place, uh, including the work that Dr. Taylor himself used to do while he was at basic education, was aimed at improving the quality of our education system. We did a lot of work going to schools to look at the performance the, the, of, of the learners, of the literacy or numeracy. And that research work, we will be able so much because it is what informs the policies and interventions that we put in place, including the annual national assessment. It was designed to, to do exactly that, to check the performance of our learners, to ensure that we, we do the right thing to, to, to improve the quality of our education system. But those that say we are worse in the world, we also need to remember that before 94, we had 19 different education systems in one country. I've never come across any other country that had so many education systems in one that had to be merged into a single system and find the right balance that all learners would uh, have to work towards um, meeting its, its requirements. And it's been work in progress ever since because it's not just a learner. We also need to ensure that it's the teachers as well understand the needs of the system and the changes that uh, the department have been uh, introducing uh, while trying to achieve the quality that everyone is talking about. Joy, let me come to you. You know, some people would say under apartheid, um, uh, black people, you know, were uh, kept uh, down under thumb, made sure that they only received uh, the sort of education that would keep them subjugated. And some would say, fast forward to 2016. um, Yes, access has changed. But beyond access, uh, what more has changed so that the quality of education, as has already been lamented by the two previous guests, uh, would ensure that a black child's life is better for going to school. Um, so can I agree with Nick. I think that um, the challenges that we have around quality are pervasive um, at every single level of, the, of, of education. Um, but I also think we need to remember that um, the generations before us, the teachers and the parents, were victims of Bantu education and 
as a result, both in-school learning and out-of-school learning is just not at the, at the level that we need it to be to overcome that legacy. And so I think that there's a lot of work for everybody to do in order to improve and, and essentially redress those massive gaps that we have. So what is so wrong in the system that you would actually hear people making that comparison, saying that um, education was better during apartheid years than it is today? And it's not just Musi Maimane. I mean, I'm sitting here with messages from people who are saying, yes, he's absolutely right. That is indeed the case. What do you think, um, Dr. Taylor, would actually spur people to make such, re- such remarks? Politics. And again, you know, it's just misleading. Uh, I mean, there are two big factors uh, responsible for the fact that um, our quality is not moving forward. The one is the dominance of politics over, uh, over issues of educational competence in appointing people and particularly in promoting people within the civil service. So the civil service has become kind of a conveyor belt for politically connected people to get uh, well-paid jobs in the civil service. It starts in the schools. It starts with the appointment of heads of department in schools. So instead of appointing the best teachers to to lead the curriculum in a school and to assist those teachers who are not so competent, we appoint at best people who are just the most senior in the school, or we appoint the politically connected people, about which there's been a lot of publicity lately. Now, under those circumstances where you systematically, throughout the system, appoint educationally incompetent people um, who are politically connected, of course you can't get quality. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, so that's the real issue here. And, and you know, this, uh, it's a red herring to talk about are we better off than we were under Bantu education or not. I think there's no question that we're better off now. There's more choice, for example. People can move to different schools. People can, can access um, uh, the schools of their choice. Uh, which was not the case under apartheid. There's far more um, opportunities for, for learners from, from poor backgrounds to, to progress through the system. But as I say, what's holding us back is this big political elephant in the room. Mm. That's the first issue. Uh, I can talk more about the second, about which there's far less uh, a public debate. But let, let, let's talk question. about that because we talk about access and, and, and I think there is consensus about, you know, improved access to education. But the reality is that you still have the former white schools, the former Model C schools that are still a better endowed. They are still, you know, better disciplined. They are still the ones that are producing the better results. So what does that say about those children who still find themselves lagging behind in the townships? Access obviously, is only an issue in as far as your ability to actually get into any given school. And for most children who still live in uh, previous, uh, in continually disadvantaged areas, they don't have access to the best schools in the country necessarily, um, uh, whether it comes to the quality of education, the resources that are available in those schools. They are still lagging very much behind. Yes, it's due to the historical inequalities of the country. The country is not equal. I mean, we have the rich and the poor. And that will reflect also in the education system because that cannot, uh, we cannot have a different picture there which does not reflect what the country looks like at the moment. We need to acknowledge that as well. 
But as, as government, we also have a proper package which we have put together to assist those learners. And one of them is the whole issue of no fee paying schools, which means those poor children that cannot afford should be able to go to school and, and access uh, education. And um, we also have brought the school nutrition program to also assist them. And all of those things are designed to assist them to lighten the load which they, they have. And even the expenditure per child on the rural learners is not the same as those that come from um, from a working school. So as much as we have those inequalities, we have also um, rearranged the allocation per learner to ensure that we prioritize those that are located in poor areas. But also if you look at the outcome, uh, most of the top achieving matriculants of recent years have been coming from rural schools, which means they are accessing good quality education in some instances. We are not saying everywhere, but that's an indication of progress that our rural provinces are actually doing much, much more uh, in terms of um, giving quality education to our learners, doing much better than those that are found in suburban schools. So they are not necessarily condemned to a lack of poor education. without any effort being made to improve the situation. There is definitely something that we are doing, and there is progress in terms of numbers, there is progress in terms of learning outcomes that we are seeing recorded every year. Now, uh, during apartheid, um, the apartheid government spent 16 times more on educating a white child than a black child. So you are saying now that uh, you are spending uh, slightly more on children in rural areas. Can you give us uh, the allocations of exactly how much is being spent to educate children? No, in the suburban areas, it will be uh, uh, 500, 500 uh, rent per child. And in rural areas, it's over 1,000 rent. And that amount is, is aimed at ensuring that those learners in the rural areas are able to benefit from this popular public that government has put together. But also, if you look at the numbers, I mean, um, there was, in 1975, we had only 9,000 matriculants. Uh, that was lack, and about 3,000 of them were able to pass matric. Right now, you have over 800,000 learners that are in this education system, with the majority of them being black. Most of them, even though they have uh, distinctions and uh, exemptions or whatever, they can't even access university because there's no space. So we also need to understand that the challenge is much bigger now. And there is the political will to ensure that we address the challenges that education is facing because government has, uh, has allocated the majority of its national budget towards education, but also splitting education into two so that we have a greater focus on challenges facing basic education in particular. So all of those things are designed to assist uh, all efforts and we're going to come to quality of education in just a moment because I think I, we need to unpack that as well. But if we're spending a thousand rand per child on children in rural areas, many people will say, well, you know, where is the money going to? Because if we look at rural areas and the schools in rural areas, very often they are the most under-resourced schools. Yes, it's true. And people always ask, where does the money go to? You know, the money goes to as many things. You have over 6 billion rand which is allocated to school nutrition alone. And you've got another 3 or 4 billion rand that just goes to learner transport. 
and you've got another 10 billion that goes to school infrastructure. Um, I can go on. So there are many challenges that we need to to address in education, and unfortunately, one cannot wait for the other. Everything needs to, needs to be tackled at the same time. We also spend over 100 and what? Is it 150? We deliver 150 million workbooks, which we have had to produce ourselves as the education department, just to make sure that all the learners have access to learning material. And we spend seven billion rand just buying textbooks, and to make sure that learners have learning material. And we also train teachers so that they are able to deliver the curriculum in a manner that is fitting of the education system that we want to see. So there's quite a bit that the money is doing. And it's important that people understand that it's not just about quality that we need to go. We also need to look at all the other elements that form what you call an education system. Let's talk about quality for a moment, uh, Joy. If we talk about quality of education, what exactly are we referring to? I think we're looking at whether or not learners learn <laughs> and whether they're able to achieve the outcomes that they need to. Are they literate? Are they numerate? Are they able to to progress? Are they able to not drop out of high school? Are they able to graduate from matric and access a preschool opportunity that ultimately sets them on the path to earning a dignified living? I think quality education redresses inequality. It helps people to um, pull themselves out of poverty. It changes the trajectory of of people's lives. Um, And, you know, if we look at the levels of inequality and poverty in the country, um, I think we've got a really long way to go before education can fulfill that. Where would you say the biggest problem, the biggest hurdle to achieving quality education lies? I think we're in this conundrum where the reality is that teachers can't teach what they don't know. And um, the SACMIC study just um, found that only 32% of grade 6 math teachers in the country have desirable subject content knowledge in mathematics. So, um, you know, we can we can do all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, you can't teach what you what you don't know. Um, and I think that's a major part of the puzzle that really needs to be fixed. Certainly does, and we'll speak about that a little bit more. Uh, we have Mr. Mabine Siabe on the line, who is, of course, Mr. Musi Maimane's spokesperson. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, good morning to you and the listeners. So what exactly did Mr. Musi Maimane say last week on the campaign trail about Bantu education? Well, what he said was that in many regards, uh, the education that uh, the youth of today is receiving is no better than that uh, under, uh, under Bantu education. And when he goes into communities, often people will say that they believe that they Mr. Siabe, we lost you there for a moment. Okay, we lost him there. But basically, um, you know, uh, confirming that Mr. Maimane did uh, say what we suspected he had said, at least the allegations uh, that uh, we'd been reporting on, that uh, things were perhaps better under Bantu education. But we'll get him back after the news break. I just want to read a few messages, seeing that we're coming up to news time, uh, because I don't want to start something and then not finish it before then. Simpiwe Khadebe says, um, comparing anything to apartheid times is unfair. Uh, 
things were not good as they should be, but they are much better than they were then. Timothy Mokokole says language is a major uh, challenge. Most kids are taught in English and it's not spoken at their homes. Vaseka says, um, is our education system worse than that during apartheid? Interesting topic. But then, of course, what is your response to that? And Tebza Yen Masheko says, this current government cares about the percentage of pass rate, never mind the quality of the education system. And that's what we are trying to get down to, the quality of that education system. But let's just hear back from Mr. Mabine Siabe. We have him back on the line. Um, Mr. Siabe? Yes, as I was saying, I mean, you can't deny that I mean, a black child is not receiving the same quality of education as a child in an urban setting or even a white child, uh, to put it in black and white terms. That inequality still exists. Uh, we have children who are going to school in mud schools. We have children who are going to school without books at all. That's not the quality of education that you'd expect from a democratic dispensation. When you look at the numbers, we're lagging behind many of our, our counterparts on the continent who put significantly less amounts of money into education. We have Satu, who is holding the education department at Ransom, and who are more interested in the politics of schools rather than the quality and teaching of education in schools. This is an education system that's uh, miseducating young black South Africans and, uh, and it's something that needs to be fixed uh, uh, promptly if we're going to remove uh, uh, young people from, from the grips of poverty and if we're going to reduce inequality in South Africa. We need to fix the quality of education and we need to get on top of it as soon as possible. And I think most people will agree with you lamenting you know, some of the shortcomings, but to compare it to Bantu education... But that's the education system that we're coming from. I mean, that's the education system that we're coming from, and we need this education system that we're trying to remove uh, from the current way uh, things are being done in our schools. And these are the comments that the leader receives when he's in community. He was essentially relaying the story of, 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 of what happens in our communities. When you go into communities, and these are the stories that they're told that we don't feel that our children are being educated. Uh, in a way that's expected of a democratic dispensation. Uh, I apologize for any uh, hurt that this uh, claim may have caused. These are the realities facing uh, South Africa. These are the realities facing young black children uh, who go to school uh, in, in townships. We can't run away from these realities. We need to get an education system that ensures uh, we can fill uh, the vacancies in our economy, that we can build a a thriving economy can build a South Africa where young black people aren't just uh, employees, but they're rather employers. We need to run their own small businesses and then we'll fully contribute to building a better South Africa. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Forum at Now, this morning we are asking, is our education system today worse off than it was under apartheid? And last week on the campaign trail, DA leader Musi Maimane uh, contended that we are no better off today than we were under apartheid when it comes to education. Uh, Mr. Elijah Mthanga, when it comes to the poor quality of education, as Mr. Siabe pointed out there, then indeed it would seem uh, from uh, the DA's point of view that we are no better off. No, that's actually unfortunate, but I think we also need to understand it in the context of the political environment that we are in now, because most of the challenges in education that people are talking about are things that we have already admitted as a department and things that we have made a priority to fix. They don't tell us anything new. For every challenge that people say is there, we also have an intervention in place to try to address it. 
So to make it look like the department is doing nothing and is accepted that our education is not good enough and we are going to live with it as it is, that's wrong. We have said that we are going to align all our activities towards the, the targets as set by the National Development Plan. Also, what we find from research that is done by uh, people like Dr. Taylor, for example, because for us to understand the challenges that we face as a country, we need to conduct research. And there are many uh, people that are produced that point to certain challenges in all of uh, the areas of our education system. And for everyone, we are doing something to address it. So it's really disappointing for politicians to make sweeping statements like those without looking at the facts. We're going to take a few calls now. 891 uh, We have with us as our guest this morning from the Department of Basic Education, Mr. Elijah Mthanga, Dr. Nick Taylor, who's from Jet Education Services, um, Inkamba Youths, uh, Joy Ulafir, and we also have Mr. Mabina Siabe, who is DA leader, Musi Maimane's spokesperson. 891 is the calling number. And whilst we get those lined up, let me just read a few messages. Michael Zulu says, as long as the weaker student is encouraged to take up teaching as a profession, we're not improving the quality of education. Uh, Ati James says, uh, what other education uh, system is there to compare it to? Uh, because we have no other system than Bantu education to compare. Unati Kwaza says, what is so offensive about the term Bantu education? Not sure I follow. It's a fact that edu- our education is mediocre. Um, at uh, SM Kize says um, it's criminal to even mention apartheid and current education system in the same sentence. However, satuism is the reason for this quagmire that we find ourselves in. Max Naidu says uh, those who say anything was better under apartheid have historical amnesia. Apartheid was a crime against humanity, uh, but education failures are a structural systemic legacy of apartheid in- inequity and it's compounded by the current policy failures and indifference. Njabulam Tobeni says uh, Musi thinks uh, like a white man in black skin. No way a normal black person can say what he said. And then Soli Khatle says quality is compromised by quantity in our current education system, but it is much better than Bantu education. What are your views? 891-104-208. Let's speak to Neil in Dordrecht. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, um, sure. Don't know where to start, but I'll try somewhere. All right. Um, coming back to your your main question on your on your forum about, um, I'll tell you what is different from back in in, in you call it Bantu time or apartheid time to now. The bottom line is the passion of the teachers back then was much of a higher level than it is now, and that's the biggest uh, difference from then to now. Now, coming to the more real issues, the biggest problems today uh, in the education system, we have a 66% dropout rate at the school calendar year of the 12-13 year period. We have a similar dropout rate at university. The country is grappling with the problem of moving from an industrial economy over the last 200 years to a knowledge-based economy. So learners are finishing schooling system, entering the tertiary level, and unable to cope with the content at tertiary level. And then those who do qualify at tertiary level, there's a serious gap in the type of 
uh, courses they are studying, they're unable to engage into the employment structures properly. And if you ask me what is the biggest problem, now I have visited over 6,000 of 24,000 public schools in the last 8 to 10 years myself because of the business I conduct. And they're all in rural South African schools, as I'm speaking to you from one of them right now. And I'll tell you the biggest problem is, it's a capital P. It's politics in the schoolyard must be removed first and foremost. It's interesting to hear uh, Mr. Elijah Mishlanga talk about the politicians are playing this and playing that. This is the biggest problem in the South African education system. It's a ransom by politics. When it suits the ruling elite, they want to jump on the bandwagon with the, uh, with the uh, teachers and Satu and so on. And when it doesn't suit them, then they want to blame uh, take the blame game. Lastly, we find in uh, now all of my kids went to some of the best schools in Durban, and I can tell you the teaching wasn't of the highest caliber. We did have better teachers in the past days, as I finished school over 31 years ago, and all of us that finished school 31 years ago in apartheid are much better off than our learners where we are paying 80,000 rands a year school fees. So the last point is, in the um, uh, Model C schools, the teachers abdicate the problems of learners to the parents. In the rural areas, the parents abdicate the problems of learners to the teachers. And the politicians just play the blame game. Okay, thank you so much, Neil. Tlolani, you're in Clarkstorp. Good morning. Morning. Morning, Sanjana. Are we allergic to the truth? You know, even the current government just did cut and paste of apartheid system in the name of quitting. They've introduced quitting one, quitting two, whatever. Even to prove that the level of education for majority of South Africans is poor. They are kids attending so-called white schools. Teachers, politicians. Why? It is because they know that Education for a black child is not that good standard, you know. And lastly is that even all the statistics, numbers don't lie, all the statistics show that our education is going down. Even Zimbabwe are better than us while they are studying under their hunger. Mr. Mulaji should understand that, you know, we're not saying, you know, apartheid was good, but we're saying even teachers now are the product of bank education. Now we expect even the product of education to teach, what is it? I should teach a bank education system, you know. Do you think that they are introducing now in the past two years? It's not working. Even the lower it to 10% is fine. You understand it because they don't care about the blood child. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, thanks, Tolani. Um, Andrew, you're in Mitchell's plane. Good morning to you. Good morning, Sakina. Morning, Joy. And the rest. Uh, Sakina, uh, we can put our heads under the sand and we can go on denialism. We can go that route. Or we can see the problems and and do something about it. The child that you get now, let's take, I was in the education system some time ago, <laughs> I won't give my, day, my age away, but I was in a party system and, and our JC that was just at 8 is a grade 10 now. The child that you produce there, under that system, that was bad, but better than what you got now, because this child that you get now, you can't go and train this child as a teacher, you can't take the child for a nurse, you can't take this child in grade 10 to be a policeman, whereas in that system, you could have. I'm on the receiving end of children for the last 12 years that needs help. They come from all sorts of schools, your Model C schools, they come from your, 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 your middle class schools here in our area, and you get from your poor schools. What I have found out is it's not uh, uh, maybe the resources that they lack, is the leadership uh, they don't have the vision, they don't have the inspiration, the dedication, because they must actually just write that they gave 
class to the school. They've got a lot of uh, administration work, and that's it. But you don't get that a lot of schools. Well, I, I've, I've attended uh, 22-hour Johnson's uh, lectures where, where there are two schools out of every province that are in disadvantaged areas that produce consistently high uh, results, like 90s, in your 90s, 98%, mm-hmm. 95%. I've been there and I've spoken to the people. And you'll be surprised that one school out of the Western Cape come out of Matipumulele. And, and that is not a well-resourced school, resource school, but you've got a, a dedicated, committed principal there. And that was the, 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 the thing that ran through all those schools that were together there as the principals was a good, strong leader and that the vision of their children must get in this very same system and very unresourced. In fact, Joyce, Joyce organization came to our, our place and asked, what resources do you have? Mm-mm. And she was surprised to hear that there were no resources. The only resources we have is us that want to get our children to, to be better and to be on the top, and we're doing that. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Andrew, in Mitchell's Plain. We got that. Sherazad uh, in Port Shepston, good morning. Hello, hello, Chikesh. Oh, I don't know what to say now. Because everyone thinks, uh, all the people who have phoned in have just been so on the ball and spot on with all their comments. It's quite, I feel really upset, you know, that things have got to this level. Um, uh, Two things that I do want to say, though, and firstly, is that Missy basically was not saying it was better. He was comparing it, and people are twisting it now to say that. Secondly, I would say that, um, you know, KZN is one of the poorest provinces in the whole country, or the poorest, one of them anyway. And it's really sad to see that I, I saw reported a while ago that um, the council, the municipality, um, one of them spent thousands on Nicki Minaj concert tickets for the councillors when they need to spend, you know, the money is not going to where it is, but... What your last caller said, it was, it was so inspiring, basically, that people don't even always need the resources. They just need leadership, and that's what's so lacking, you know. That's just what's... It's just sad that it's lacking. And people, even if they do get an education, will they get a job? Because the economy is just a bit fucked. Thank you so much, Ayrazad. Let's speak to Leto in Cape Town. Good morning. Hello, ma'am. How are you? Well, and you? Um, very well, thank you. Uh, my comment basically on the subject is that, you know, um, I think it's uh, typically the same with any other service that we have in South Africa. Um, we have resources that were made and developed for um, the few in South Africa, and it was working very well, and it was efficient because it was actually only to uh, accommodate the, the minority. And um, suddenly, we now have to actually accommodate the majority of South Africans uh, with uh, obviously expended resources, but the reality is when you're going with 20% which you are servicing, and suddenly you have to actually take the the budget and stretch it even further to actually accommodate those that were never accommodated, and um, at the same time you have to actually maintain for those that were accommodated. The minority is now complaining that their services have uh, been reduced or have been depleted to actually um, uh, appear less superior than what they used to be. But for many, and for the majority, there is great joy because it's, they are better off than where they were in the, uh, in the past. So for Mr. Maimane to actually make a, a comment like, 
um, that people are actually better, were better off in the apartheid days than now. I really disagree because I feel that for the majority of South Africans coming from a rural background, I feel we are much better off. We go to schools that are with walls, we don't learn under trees, and um, we may have higher failure rate. It's because we now, as a majority, are involved, which means you've got a bigger pool to sample from, and generally your statistics will change. And obviously, if you're sampling from a fewer sample, a smaller sample, your statistics are going to be controlled and easy to manipulate. Well, thank you so much for the call, Leto. And we can't get through all of the calls, all of the messages this morning, but I'll give our panel an opportunity, each of them, to respond to some of the issues you've raised. Let me just throw in a few more. Uh, Titelo uh, says, uh, talk is cheap. 22 years later, uh, we must judge our government on actions and achievements and not on intentions and good policies that are gathering dust. Um, Sengana says, fact is, Bantu education delivered books, built schools, filled posts, paid teachers, I could go on and on. Tripartite government can't do that. Uh, this one from Ed uh, Sugumela says, uh, current and Bantu education are the same. Pupils are not uh, led the right direction, must be transformed to identify skills. And then Kolani Sikade says, uh, what is better with our current education? When statistics show us that kids are clueless, the Anas which Satu hate will reveal that. And Jeremiah Wilson earlier said, good morning, SK Sure, education was better at least by grade four. We could read fluently. Today, we can't even read at grade seven. Lisejo says uh, the the system was okay for education as teachers knew how to teach and learners could read and write. Today, all we have is laziness and that equals Satu. Nkululega uh, March says um, Musi was correct though. The Bantu education was better managed than this ANC workshop education. Uh, Richmond uh, Seketane says education might not be good, but the statement from Musi Maimane is just him trying to get votes. Uh, Makema Ofani, uh, rephrase uh, that uh, what Musi Maimane said little, not enough has changed from Bantu education to allow a black child to succeed in this country. So little, not nothing. And then Kahisha Moeng says for as long as the ruling political elites do not take their children to township schools, I'm not buying this thing that things are better. Melintaba says the strategy is keep them semi-educated so that you can eat from them and Black Vote EFF says um, as ironically as it is coming from our uh, the, at our DA, the defenders of apartheid gains at Musimaimane is speaking the truth salute some of the comments and there are many more that we can't entertain but let's get our panel to respond let me start with you joy thanks um i think we need to focus here i mean we're talking about our children and the politicking and the blaming and the you know citing of various things we can we can talk about it a lot but it's not really going to get us anyway so i think in terms of in concluding I want to say that this country really needs a learning revolution. And every single one of us who's privileged enough to be literate, numerate, um, and educated, we need to help others to learn what we know. Because the reality is that most of the learners in this country have major gaps in their fundamental knowledge. And in order to overcome those, they need individual attention, they need time, they need support. And many of our parents just aren't equipped to provide that type of support. And so... I really call out to the listeners of the show to get involved, to give your time, to give your energy, to give your love, because it's really only through 
that um, through those things that we can we can fill these gaps and move forward. Um, Dr. Taylor, um, if we are to build the capable state envisaged by the National Development Plan and provide excellent education to all of our children, then we have to do two things, Sakina. First of all, the one I've already mentioned, we have to get rid of politics in education. Or we have to begin to prioritize expertise and competence rather than political connections in in appointing and promoting people. We've spoken a lot about that, and I think the point is generally accepted. The second thing, though, we hardly ever talk about, and that is the quality of the teachers coming out of our universities. Research recently conducted by Jet Education Services indicates for example, that at primary level, most of our teachers are not being taught how to teach reading and writing. Now, there are exceptions to this. There's some outstanding education faculties across the country. But by and large, these exist in a sea of complete mediocrity. Um, It's astonishing to understand, and and it's very hard to grasp, Mm. that most universities are not teaching new teachers how to teach reading and writing. Now, I ask you, What else are they teaching them if they're not teaching them how to inculcate the most fundamental skills in our young learners? And then why are we we surprised? Why are we surprised? The majority of our learners can't read. Sorry? Then why are we surprised if the majority of our learners can't read and write? Exactly. We shouldn't be. But then, of course, also, um, you know, and, 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 and that's a study that I think uh, we should make time to unpack because I think therein perhaps lies the crux of what we are actually dealing with here. If teachers coming out of the system are not trained adequately, what are we hoping will happen as they move through the system? So, um, and, and, and we'll actually come back and address that. Uh, thanks, Dr. Taylor, for um, uh, alerting us to that. Elijah, what's your response to what the listeners have said? You know, some are saying we need better teachers. Uh, Tolani, Andrew, others saying that um, basically they get a sense that things are getting worse in terms of the quality, not better. No, but let's talk about quality. Quality includes having learners who are healthy, well-nourished, and we are already providing for learners through the school nutrition program. But it also means the environment that they learn in is healthy and safe, and we're already doing that through the schools that we're building. It also means that the content that they're learning uh, should be relevant to the curriculum and the environment around them. And we're already doing that through our curriculum, which we have, which no one has criticized, by the way. But it also means that uh, the outcomes of the education should be such that they've got skills, knowledge, and attitudes that are linked to the national goals. And that is what we are working towards. But the weak link here is what Dr. Taylor has just spoken about, to say the teachers that we have, are they trained to focus on the needs of the child? Are they trained to focus on the needs of the country? And universities have admitted that, in fact, there are witnesses in terms of the training especially the pedagogy that the teachers are are receiving, that they are not being given the skills to teach. They focus on content, and the the teaching skills are lacking. And that's where we need to focus on. And and we are are glad that there is that admission from the university so that we begin to to deal with the problem. And indeed, we have spoken to the Department of Education and Training, who have also committed to working with us to ensure that the teachers that the country is producing are skilled and uh, appropriately qualified uh, to meet the needs of the learners in the classroom 
which is also guided by the, the targets set by the National Development Plan. Mm. And um, Mabine Siabe, let me give you an opportunity as well. Uh, do you still stand by that statement by uh, DA leader Musi Maimane that things are not better under this current system? Well, we've heard what uh, the majority of your listeners have said from a diversity of fields and, and backgrounds. Some who work within the education system, some who are parents. They are not satisfied with the quality of education that their children are getting. And if we are, who are going to unshackle the black child from the cycle of poverty, it needs to start with education. Education is not doing what it's supposed to do. Mandela had said to us that it was the best equalizer in our society, but we're not there yet where it's equalizing uh, the rich and the poor and white and black. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a lot more that needs to be done. We've come very far in many regards. But when it comes to education, we haven't done enough and more needs to be done if we're going to build the, the size skeleton visions by the National Development Plan. Of you, who hasn't done enough? Who hasn't done enough? Government hasn't done enough. Government is not uh, taking Satu on head to head. Satu is holding our schools at ransom uh, for the sake of politics rather than the future of, of young children. Uh, you've had previous listeners who are, again, I say, in and out of the system that Satu is a problem in this regard. There's a lack of a political will to get an education uh, system that's working. There isn't enough engagement with stakeholders, uh, experts in the education field. Our training colleges aren't doing enough to train the proper teachers, teachers who are in the system. Uh, aren't uh, qualified to be teaching the subjects that they're teaching. So the system is, in many instances, a mess. And uh, if we can get the political rule and right leadership there, then we can take this issue forward. Well, to our guests this morning, uh, we thank you so much for your time. And, of course, many issues still to be unpacked. I mean, just looking at some of the stats that were thrown out uh, by Joy earlier about, uh, you know, content issues, 32% of teachers and uh, the uh, level at which they were operating with regard to content and their expectation to get into a class and teach. And uh, then also what Dr. Nick Taylor was highlighting there about um, the, 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 the caliber of teacher that that is coming out of our tertiary education systems that just seem to be pedagogically inept at this point. So if that is the case, what are we expecting? Why are we then surprised that the system produces children who are illiterate and innumerate? Why are we surprised at that? But then again, we've also heard the refrain that, you know, we, we are working on it. We are working on it. We're fixing this thing. So at what point do we really knuckle down and say, this is the deadline? If things are not improved by here, these will be the consequences. And I think perhaps that's the point we need to be moving towards. But thank you so much for your engagement this morning. Much appreciated. The calls, the comments that we couldn't take, we apologize for that. But we'll storify most of the comments on our um, on our website, uh, www.safm.co.za. So you can go on there and you'll also find the podcast for this show and other segments uh, since 6 a.m. It's nine o'clock now and time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.